Good morning, everybody. Um, I kind of feel like you, you would have liked to just keep on singing there, um, but uh, we'll sing again in a little while. Um, just to let you know uh, what will happen now, um, I'm going to share a message from God's Word, and uh, just at the end of that, Ricky is going to come and just lead us in a sort of response to the Word of God uh, this morning and lead us in prayer uh, at the end, so just, just so you know uh, kind of where we're going. Um, it's really good to have real live human beings to talk to in the building rather than just talking to the camera. We are very aware of those of you at home and still uh, keeping you very much in mind. Uh, but it's nice to be able to see uh, lots of you in the room, uh, even if I can't see all of your faces. Um, and we're going to be talking about faces this morning, and I'll come to this uh, quotation uh, just in a moment. But let's, let's pray as we come uh, to God's word this morning. Lord, our, our prayer as we come to your word this morning is uh, very simple. Um, we remember that story of the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus and how, as they walked along the road, the risen Jesus walked with them, and together they opened the Bible and read it together. And our prayer this morning is that the risen Jesus would come and open scripture with us and be our teacher and give us wisdom and give us enlightenment and open the eyes of our hearts to understand the things that you want to say to us. And we pray that as we read, our hearts would burn within us um, as we walk with Jesus along the way. And we pray in his name. Amen. There's a, an amen from outside there as well. Um, when, I, when I was a student, uh, which was way, way, way back in the mid-90s, um, there was a very unusual pop song that hit the charts, um, and I remember it was kind of played everywhere, so you'd be in a shop or a, a supermarket or a coffee shop, and it would be, would be playing on the radio. Uh, and the lyrics were a little different to the usual themes of pop songs. Uh, the, so, the, the song asked a lot of very strange and interesting questions, like if God had a name, what would it be, and would you call it to his face if you were faced with him in all his glory? And you'd be there in Tesco hearing this play and thinking, there's a question. Uh, but then it asked this question. If God had a face, what would it look like? And would you want to see it? Right? There's a question to think about as you have your cappuccino, as you go about your, your life. Um, and we're going to be looking this morning, and we're going to read together the very familiar story of the death of Jesus on the cross. Um, but we're going to keep these questions in mind. We're going to think about this theme of the face of God. It may not be obvious as we read why we're thinking about that, but we'll, we'll get there um, as we go. Uh, but we're going to read together from uh, Mark chapter 15. If you have a Bible, you can follow along in your Bible, um, or you can just listen um, as we read. Mark chapter 15, we're going to read from verse 25. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, 
shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. And that's where we're going to end our our reading um, this morning. Um, We're going to focus this morning on uh, just two moments in this story that Mark tells of the cross. Uh, The moment when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the moment when the curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. Um, But first, before we think about those two moments, uh, we're going to do something that may seem a little strange, which is we're going to step further back in time to try to understand these two moments on the cross. We're going to go back more than 1,500 years before the death of Jesus on this hill outside Jerusalem. And we're going to go from this hill outside Jerusalem to another mountain um, called Mount Sinai where a man called Moses went up another hill, another mountain, um, and received the law, received the Ten Commandments from God. Very famous story. I um, don't know if you remember what the first commandment, I'm not going to test you, um, the first commandment of the Ten says. Um, it says this, Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Um, and recently, um, I learned something listening to someone teach uh, that was kind of new for me, and I shared this at the prayer meeting recently, um, but it was something that was new for me and has been slightly mind-blowing for me, and has kind of been following me around, uh, making me think a lot, um, in just, just over the last little while. Um, and it's this, that what the, the Hebrew of the first commandment, and um, what it literally says is this, and this will connect us up with the theme with which we began. Um, It says, you shall have no other gods before the face. Whenever I heard uh, this teacher say that, I had to go and check it because it sounded so odd, uh, but it's true. Um, What on earth does that mean? You shall have no other gods before the face. Um, In the Old Testament, the face is a way of speaking of God's presence in a very particular way. God, God obviously is present everywhere. But when we speak of the face of God, we're speaking about God's presence as something we encounter, 
something we experience in a more personal way. And so right at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, this was posted as the number one priority for God's people. They are to be a people who seek the face of God, who seek God's presence in their lives. That's to be the consuming obsession of their lives. Nothing else is to come close in their affections to seeking the face of God. You shall have no other gods before the face, the presence of God. Um, The people of Israel had this sense as a people that God was present with them. Sometimes he he made his presence visible in a cloud of fire, a a pillar of of cloud or of fire. Um, They had the sense that God's face was turned towards them as a people. Um, The Psalms, which were the songbook of Israel, often talk, and you can go and look later, about being people who seek God's face. There's one example in Psalm 24. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Um, Or maybe you can think of what is the most famous prayer of blessing in the Old Testament. It was a a prayer of blessing prayed by Moses' brother, Aaron. Um, And it says this in the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The very greatest blessing we can imagine praying for someone else is that God would turn his face towards them. There's nothing better than that. Um, And yet, so so there's kind of that big theme in the, the story of the Old Testament. And yet, I want you to imagine that we we call in an ordinary Israelite to interview him. Right? We'll give him a, a typical uh, Jewish name. We'll call him Yosef. And we ask Yosef, what is it like to meet with God face to face? You talk, you talk as a people all the time about seeking God's face and God's face being turned towards you. Well, what is it like to meet with God face to face? I think Yosef would be shocked and a little bit disturbed by the question. He might say, God dwells with us as a people and his presence goes before us and his presence goes with us. But only a few people ever meet with him directly. The the high priest, once a year, after lots of sacrifices, goes into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle behind the thick curtain. And that's the place where God's presence is manifested. But only the high priest goes there and only once a year. Um, Moses himself, our, our big bearded leader. Um, it's said about Moses that he sometimes meets with God face to face as someone meets with a friend. But for me, as an ordinary Israelite, it's not imaginable. It's maybe not even desirable. If I met with God face to face as an ordinary sinful man, I would be undone. I would be consumed by God's holiness and glory and majesty and light. Um, And so I'm happy to be in the camp and know that God is with us as a people and that our special leaders meet with him from time to time. But meeting God face to face is not for someone like me. That's kind of how I imagine Yosef might answer us if we asked him. Um, So we've gone on a journey back 1,500 years before Jesus. Let's come back 
to that hill outside Jerusalem. And especially those hours of darkness and this cry of Jesus as he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What, what is going on in those moments of darkness as Jesus cries out? Well, maybe we can say this. If the greatest blessing we can imagine is to have the face of God turned towards you, then what is the greatest curse you can imagine? Um, I wonder if you, have you ever had an experience where someone you care about, someone you love, has turned away from you? They've, they've in, in anger or in disappointment or in disgust or in rejection, um, they turn their face away, they show you their back, they walk away. Have you ever had an experience like that? Um, how did that feel when they turned away? Um, in this moment in the darkness on the cross, one of our songwriters says something extraordinary. He says, the father turns his face away. Jesus experiences what it is to be God forsaken. The light of the father's face, the blessing of the father's face is turned away. And he experiences the absence of God. Um, Every time I come to this moment, I think there's something here that we can't get our human minds around. We can't comprehend because Jesus himself is fully God as well as fully man. So how can God experience the absence of God? Why does the universe not implode in that moment? There's something here that our minds can't quite approach. But we know this, that Jesus takes on himself in that moment all of our sin, all of our human selfishness and pride and greed and cruelty and dishonesty, all of our sin, all the weight of our sin and all of its consequences and all of our shame and all of our guilt. He takes the curse so that we can experience the blessing. He takes our sin so we can be forgiven and set free. He takes the darkness so that we can enter into light. He enters into death so we can enter into life. He experiences the absence of God so we can experience the presence of God. He experiences the face of God turned away so we can experience meeting with God face to face. And the story tells us a moment later, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And this is where that, that theme is made really clear. Um, this was so, it's really important, I think, that detail that the curtain was torn from top to bottom and not from bottom to top. This was something that happens from above, something God does that we couldn't do for ourselves. We couldn't do from below. Every barrier between sinful humans and holy God has been removed and the way is now open right into the very heart of the presence of God. So we can come and meet with God face to face as someone meets with a friend. And this is not, this is really important, this is not for just for special super spiritual people, for high priests and spiritual giants like Moses, but it's for every ordinary, messy, scruffy, wobbly believer. This is for you. This is for me. The way is open. 
to meet with God face to face. Um, but maybe here, here's the challenge I want to bring for us this morning. That's kind of been on my heart this week. Um, some of us have believed this message for many, many years. And so maybe even as I'm saying those things, you're thinking, yes, I, I know those things are true. We believe that Jesus did all of this for us and the barrier has been removed and the way is open. And we're thankful for that. Um, but I want you to imagine that we bring you in, you personally, uh, for an interview, uh, just like we brought in Yosef a moment ago. And we ask you what we ask Yosef. And I ask you, maybe I give you the microphone and say, tell us, what is it like to meet with God face to face? I wonder what you would say. Um, I think the challenge that has struck me uh, during this week is this, that some of us live very much like Yosef. We're glad to be part of the people of God. We're glad to be in the camp where God is present. And we know people maybe in this room, who walk closely with God and we like being around them and we can tell that they've been in God's company. But our own engagement with God is kind of a little bit distant and a little bit secondhand. We're glad to be in the camp, but we're not sure quite how to answer this question. Um, some of us, the last number of weeks, uh, have been doing a course on parenting for faith, um, which has been really challenging for us as parents, um, asking us lots of uh, challenging questions. Um, and the lady, Rachel Turner, who uh, teaches the course, um, uses a really simple illustration, which has kind of stayed with me. Um, she talks about she was on the staff team of a, a large church in California, um, and the senior pastor of this church was someone she really admired and respected, and she loved being part of his team. They had a big staff team. She loved being part of the team, and she was in meetings with the senior pastor, and she was on retreats with the team, and she liked being around um, his company. Um, but then one day she was standing by herself, and she saw this senior pastor approaching her, and she realized that in all this time of being around that team, she'd never spoken to him alone. She'd never spoken to him personally and directly. And very gently, Rachel Turner asked the question, um, maybe some of our kids love being part of the team around church and love being in the camp where God is present, but they can't quite imagine talking to him directly and personally for themselves. But for, I think for many of us, as we were doing the course, the question turned on us as parents, that maybe sometimes that is also true of us. It's one thing to believe the curtain is torn and the way is open. It's another thing to enter in, in living experience, in daily lived experience into that place. Um, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 10 um, says, says, since Jesus has opened a new and living way through the curtain, right? since we know that is true, that the way this new and living way is open, what does he say? He says, let us draw near to God. There's a response that we need to be. God has turned his face towards us, but there's a choice for us to make, to enter in, to draw near, to enter into everything that Jesus has won for us. Um, as Paul says to the Ephesians in Ephesians 3, we can now approach God with freedom and confidence 
Um, some translations say with boldness we can approach God. Um, maybe I want to suggest this is the heart of the message of Easter. Um, not just that this happened 2,000 years ago. Um, not just that Jesus did this for the world, though the gospel really is that big. It's for the world, for the cosmos, that Jesus dies. But the heart of the message of Easter, I think, is this. That right here, right now, this morning, you're invited to come near, behind the curtain, to meet with God face to face as someone meets with a friend. That is available to you this morning. And you and I have a choice to make, to come near, to enter in, to meet with him. There's, a, there's an amazing detail, um, just before I finish, in the, in the Moses story in Exodus 34. Um, there's an amazing detail that says, when Moses came down the mountain after talking to God, his face was radiant. His face was actually shining because he had been in the company of God. Um, something of the light of God's face got into Moses' face and stayed there as he came down the mountain. And it says in the story he actually had to put a, a veil. You can all imagine this because you've got veils on your own faces right now. Um, had to put a veil over his face because even the reflected light was too bright for people to look at. Um, I, I often go round and round wondering what my favourite verse in the Bible is. Um, but it might be this one I'm about to read you now, um, but I, I change my mind every day. Um, but I, I want to read you this verse. Um, Paul, Paul wrote this in a letter to an ordinary bunch of Christians in Corinth, and that's really important. Um, the, whenever, whenever I say they were ordinary, the, the Christians in Corinth were a really messy lot, and they were struggling with all kinds of wonky beliefs and bad behavior. They were, they were really complicated and messy. They were not super spiritual giants, right? They were ordinary, wobbly disciples like you and I. Um, but you know what Paul writes to them? He writes this. He says, as we all, all with unveiled faces, there's no barrier, the veil is gone. As we contemplate the Lord's glory, which is, I think, a simpler way to say that would be to say, as we look at the face of Jesus, as we behold the face of our Lord, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Or some of the old translations say we're being changed from glory to glory, right? That's Paul's description of the ordinary Christian life, <laughs> is that we look at the face of Jesus, we contemplate his glory, and as we do that, some of the light of his face gets into our face and we get changed. Um, I don't know if you've known people in your life um, who really walked with God um, and just the, the kind of people you would just say, they, they keep company with God. They, uh, the kind of people about whom you would say, they meet with God face to face. They know what that's like. Um, and I wonder if you ever noticed that there's something you can see sometimes in their face. It's hard to describe what it is, there's a light, there's a brightness that they carry in their face. Paul says this is for every ordinary believer. As we meet with Jesus face to face in the middle of our ordinary days, the light in his face gets reflected in our face and people will know 
that we've been with Jesus. They'll know that we've been in his company. Um, last thing is this, and then I'm going to ask Ricky uh, to come up. Um, this, this has been, I, I think for all of us, a really strange year. Uh, and many of us have felt at times this year um, overwhelmed, confused, maybe weary. Um, I wonder if I ask you this morning, uh, those of you in the building, those of you at home, um, what do you most need today <laughs> after the kind of year that we've had? What do you most need? Is it a haircut? Some of us could do, do with one. Is it a holiday? Maybe. Is it a hug? Is it just some normal human companionship? Um, I want to suggest what we've been talking about this morning is what we most need to enter in behind the veil into the very heart of the presence of God and meet with him face to face as someone meets with a friend. That is what your overwhelmed, confused, weary soul needs this morning. Actually, that's what our overwhelmed, confused, weary world needs this morning. Um, And so I want to finish my part as Ricky comes up uh, by just speaking those words of blessing, those old words of blessing um, over all of you this morning. Um, I want to say for you today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Ricky. So all I'd love to do now is to lead us in some sort of response to this. Because if we really believe God's word when he says that when his word goes forth, it doesn't return to him without that response, without a fruit in that, then we need to give ourselves an opportunity to respond because if he is the king of kings, if he has that life-transforming power within him, then we need opportunities to respond. And so one of the best ways to do that is to pray. Prayer is just an outward expression of what's going on in our hearts. And we're going to do that in a moment. But it's Easter Sunday. It's the greatest message. It's the greatest day that there's ever been. And so I want to speak directly to anyone right now who maybe has been on the fringes of following Jesus, but you wouldn't say you're a believer. You wouldn't say you're a, a committed. You've got this relationship with Jesus that, you want to, that you're following Jesus with all your heart. You haven't taken that step over the line as such. All these different phrases. You'll know in your heart what I mean by that. Maybe you've been following for the last year online. Maybe this is your first time here today. Maybe you've come to the fellowship or to a church for year after year after year. And you've never made that commitment. You're maybe curious You're on the fringes, you're wondering what is it that's going on. You're maybe convicted in some way where there's something within you that's like, there's something about this Jesus and I'd love to know more about him. In fact, I know what I need to do, but I'm just so afraid of making that step, of accepting that gift that he has for me, that, that the cross gave. And so I'd love to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're curious, if you are 
wondering what this is all about. You want to explore that a little bit more. And can I encourage you, if you're here or if you're home, or even if you're listening to this at a later time, on our website you'll see there's a little contact page. You can contact us and talk to myself or JM about that a little bit more. If you're curious and you're still figuring this all out, we'd love to help you with that. We also have an opportunity coming up, hopefully in the next few weeks, if there's a response for this, for Alpha. And all the Alpha is, it's just a resource that's there to help you explore a little bit about what this life of faith is about. But can I push in a little bit further on that? If you are curious and you've been following for a little while or a long while, and you know that Jesus isn't real to you, you haven't got that relationship with him, then... I would love to help you take that step from conviction to commitment. To saying, yes, Jesus, what you did on the cross, I understand it was for me and I'm in need of you. And I want to follow you this Easter Sunday. Right here, right now, wherever you are. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And what I want to say in that is, this prayer is not a magic formula. This prayer is not um, the be-all and the end-all of everything. What it is, is it's just an outward expression of what's already going on in your heart. So already God is working through his Holy Spirit in your heart. And I don't want you to feel guilt-tripped or pressurized or get caught up in the emotion of Easter. I don't want to play on your fears or the hurt that there's been in the last year. But what I want to say is, Jesus loves you and he wants relationship with you so much that he would go die on a cross, take our sins upon himself so that you can step in to relationship with him and have that freedom and that free gift of eternal life. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want, you can pray this with me. If that's you. So let's all bow our heads. We're going to pray. I'll lead us into some prayer of response after this. But this is for you. If you want to make that step from being convicted to being a committed follower of Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you. That you loved us so much. That you would send your son, Jesus. To take our punishment And in doing so, give us this gift of eternal connection and nearness and relationship. Abundant life with you. And I acknowledge that I am a sinner. There's distance between you and me right now, God. And I don't want that anymore. I believe that you are... My Savior, you died on the cross for me. And from this moment forward, I want to live my life for you, with you, as my Lord and as my Savior. In your name I ask it. Amen. And let's, let's keep our, our heads bowed in this. Because we're all going to pray together in a moment. What I want to say is if you have prayed that prayer, okay, 
what I'd love you to do is to talk to someone about that. Confess that. Why? Because what happens is in those early days when you've made that, you begin to doubt and you worry, oh, you know, like, have I made this commitment to follow Jesus? Have I not? Get good Christian people around you, whoever that is. Well, I'd like to offer to you that if you'd like that to be us, if you'd like that to be me or JM or whoever here, come and speak to us or get in contact with us. Not because we want to fill numbers, not because we want to get a pat on the back, not because we want to go out there and shout, look at what we're doing, but because we want to journey this life with you because it's tough. And it's hard, but we have this King of Kings who's given us the Holy Spirit to live that. And we want to do that alongside you in community. (laughs) Plus, if I could, I'd love to hug you. (laughs) Because right now there's a celebration going on in heaven. Not my words, his words, that the angels would rejoice in heaven for one that would return to him. And so now we're all going to pray. I'd love to lead us in that. So, Father, we come before you with hearts that are full of thankfulness. Thankfulness that because of what you did on the cross, the curtain was torn in two. And not not just taking the punishment for our sins but restoring connection and relationship and intimacy and nearness with our God our Father in heaven and whilst we'll never be able to repay that debt to you we lift our hearts and say thank you Jesus thank you Would you help me? Would you help us, God, in the week, in the months, in the years ahead to be ever mindful of that, that you have come near to us. You are Emmanuel. And that we don't have to have it all together or we don't have to be a professional Christian, that each of us here right now Get that access into the throne room of heaven. Jesus, you are interceding for us beside the Father. And we're so grateful for that. So I pray for myself and for everyone here that this week our relationship with you would would be more intimate than ever. That we would set our compass point fixed firmly on the true north, you, And that we might experience the abundance of relationship that's there for us. And I'm sorry, and we're sorry for the times that we haven't realized that. And we've turned our face away rather than towards you. So today is the day, Lord, where we say it again. We fix our eyes on you. Not just corporately. We're not saying that for the person beside us. For each of us here. We say we lift our eyes to you. We thank you for what. Not just the cross. But what the resurrection means. Not either or. Both that. We're grateful and we lift our hearts and praise to you. In Jesus name. Amen.